Big things are happening in the blueberry industry. One program that we're really excited about is our Blueberry Industry Leadership Program. I saw that the leadership program might be a way to touch and understand corners of the industry that I otherwise wouldn't be exposed to. Uh, I'd get to meet people, receive training, hopefully reciprocate that to the other folks in the cohort in kind of an accelerated, structured way and get to try all these new things that would otherwise take you know, a decade of career jobs. Today, we are joined by one of our leadership program fellows to hear more about this initiative and what it means for the future of blueberries. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, back in episode 82 of this podcast in January, we introduced you to Amanda Griffin, USHBC NABC's Vice President of Engagement and Education. As a part of that episode, we talked about how Amanda would be leading an effort to develop the first ever blueberry industry leadership program. Well, a lot has happened since that episode, and it's been exciting to see this program finally come to life. Joining me on today's episode is Amanda, once again, along with a member of our first cohort of the program, Michael Weiss. So thank you both for joining me on the business of blueberries. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Casey. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm going to start, Amanda, with you. I thought, you know, in terms of this exciting milestone for our organization and this certainly this program, can you give our listeners an idea of what's happening so far from announcing the program to where we are today? Sure. It it certainly does feel like yesterday we were recording that podcast before we actually received applications for the program. But I guess since that episode, we have selected the class, class one. Obviously, that's how we have Micah here today and really put together the content and the experiences that the fellowship of the first class gets to experience throughout their first year. So right after selection, we took a trip with the first class to Seattle, and it was the the first taste and the kickoff of their experience within their first class, first cycle of the program. So, you know, Micah can touch on it later, but really the goal in this piece was to get the class to get to know each other and to have them really dive in to learn more about what each of them bring to the table as participants within the program. And I'll point out one other piece, Casey, when we first chatted about the leadership program, one of those goals was to have the selection committee, which is made up of volunteers, really look at the applicants as a holistic individual and what they would bring to the table so that they could not only learn from the folks that we put in front of them, both on a leadership skills, content side, as well as veterans within the industry, but what can they learn from each other? So to ensure that you get a class of folks that are from different regions, from different jobs within the blueberry industry and in different companies that serve the blueberry industry. So it's been fun to see that come to life since our last uh, podcast on the program. Yeah. Well, and it certainly was, I was able to participate at least in the very first day when everybody had gathered up there and, and to meet the class and just, I was just really impressed 
with the caliber of the group. And credit to the uh, the selection committee for what they were able to do in working through all those applicants to bring this group of 10 together. Uh, no small task, not, not a seat I would have wanted to be in because I know that was really hard. And yet the results and just the group that had came together was just very impressive. People like our guest today, Micah Weiss. Micah is on the sales and grower support team there at Fall Creek Farm and Nursery based in Oregon. Micah, could you share more about your background and what attracted you to the leadership program? Yeah, I started working in blueberries about 11 years ago. It was my very first job in college, and I've stuck with it ever since. My first role was for the research and the breeding program there at University of Florida. After that, I had the opportunity to work at a blueberry farm where I was managing production in Tampa. I moved to Fall Creek, got to be a farm manager here, and then a few years ago switched into the commercial side. And what I found is that for me, I really get the most satisfaction when I get to be thrown into the deep end of something that's completely new to me, where I get to drink from the fire hose and just learn new things. I saw that the leadership program might be a way to do that, to touch and understand corners of the industry that I otherwise wouldn't be exposed to. Uh, I'd get to meet people, receive training, hopefully reciprocate that to the other, the other folks in the cohort in kind of an accelerated, structured way and get to try all these new things that would otherwise take, you know, a decade of career jobs. Yeah. And looking at that cross-section of folks that you have as part of your cohort, how are you feeling about that today? Just seeing how the selection committee brought all these folks, picked all these folks, brought them together, and now you're a part of that first class. So uh, what has stood out to you so far? And, and how are you feeling about that deep end of the pool experience uh, with our leadership program? The program, it's been great so far. The cohort especially, they did a great job of having people from all parts of the country, but also all parts of you know the blueberry supply chain, where when we were in Seattle, we might be in a meeting and we were talking about, you know start getting to one thing, and you would hear somebody else recognize, hey, this is something that Christy has a lot of experience in. Christy, can you answer that? Because neither of us, we're, you know, we're all just spitballing, we're all speculating. But no matter what we were talking about, we kind of had an expert there on just about everything. Yeah, no, that was something that you hope for when you do something like this, but you're not sure until it comes together. And and certainly what I experienced. So Amanda, I mean, maybe you could speak to that too from your your days with them. You spent the whole week up there with them. So talk a little bit about what, what you saw in this first class and the first week together. Yeah, well, I, I have to say definitely kudos to the selection committee because that was a lot of work on the back end to really try and and pull together the right 10 folks to be a part of this class one. Um, but I'll say, you know, while I have been a part of programs in the past that I've worked on and facilitated in a similar fashion, it is definitely nerve wracking bringing a new group together. Each time it's the beginning, that group together to see, does the system work? Are they going to jive? Are they going to learn from each other? Will they be open and receptive to each other? And I tell you what, since the first session that we had, which we kicked off a little bit on that first week with Casey, you explaining the program and where it fits into uh, the construct of our organization. But beyond that, it was their personalized leadership training. And a lot of it got pretty in-depth and personal within where they were in their leadership journey as individuals within the workspace. And Micah, you could touch on that at some point, but, but it was personal. You know, this is sink or swim. Either we're going to be all in or we're going to just sit back with arms crossed and each individual leaned in. And I think that was the first turning point to see, you know what, this is going to work. They are receptive. They are 
from what I gathered, taking tidbits from the training, but also to your point, Micah, really learning from each other. And it was it was fun because there'd be points in discussion where you could tell folks within the class, and this is outside of the leadership training, we did a bunch of other different pieces that week, but you could tell that there were some folks that maybe weren't on the same page just based on where they come from on a certain issue. And the openness to have those discussions and to hear where everybody was, I think was just so refreshing and in, warmed my heart to see as class one really got their feet in the ground within the program. One of the ground rules that first day that I remember was uh, no fixing, right? That, that we were all here to learn and we had our coach there that day. But the idea behind that was, is, is there will be differences and we want to share those differences and opinions, but we're not here to say this thing that you're doing, this is the wrong way to do it. Uh, but we share the different ways. And that set the tone for the week, which I think was really helpful. Well, and I know part of what you experienced, Micah, was the leadership training that we provided through Sway and Ashley, who Ashley Sikorsky, who's been on this podcast in the past. And so she walked you through, I think, the Enneagram. So maybe talk a little bit about that, you know, from your perspective. Yeah, I've done a number of different personality style based um, assessments. And what was neat about the Enneagram is it, it doesn't purport to unlock secrets of your personality and tell you that this is the job you should do. More so, it says, we all possess all of these traits. You might be stronger on these than others. And then it gives you some tips and tools that you can use. And I like that because it's not asking you to change the way you do things. It's just helping you consider parts of yourself that maybe you didn't pay as much attention to or recognize what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses. Well, this has been great so far. I want to take a quick break here for our crop report. Many areas have wrapped up in their peak season, but as many of you know, if you're watching and paying attention or you're listening to last week's podcast, the Pacific Northwest is still going strong and we've got fruit coming in from both Peru and Mexico. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru, Doug Kramer in Oregon, and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on September 14th, 2022. Good morning. This is Luis with a crop report from Peru up until the end of week 36, which is the, the week ending up on September 11th. Up until the end of week 36, Peru has shipped a total of 167 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this overall volume, 52% has been shipped to the US, 25% to Europe, 19% to China, and 3% to other destinations. Also, from the total volume shipped so far, 13% has been for organic fresh blueberries. What happened during week 36? Well, a total of 26.5 million pounds were shipped worldwide, representing the highest weekly volume shipped so far this season. From the total volume shipped during week 36, 54% was sent to the US with 14.4 million pounds, which is expected to arrive the US market during the last week of September and first week of October. 33% of the volume shipped during week 36 was sent to Europe with 8.8 .8 million pounds, 10% to China with 2.7 million pounds, and a reminder, 2% to other destinations, including Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, United Arab Emirates, Guatemala, Hong Kong, India, Panama, Thailand, and Taiwan. So that's the report for Peru. 
until the end of week 36. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Doug Kramer from Oregon reporting for USHBC. We have definitely slowed down on the picking of fresh blueberries. We had another hot week last week. Quality has uh, been a struggle. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, the heat has definitely affected that quality. So there's the fruit that is there. Uh, most of that is getting machine picked for the freezer at this point in time. There's a little bit of fruit still being picked around the fringes of the growing area for fresh. And then there's some fruit coming out of storage. So we're getting pretty close to wrapped up for the year. Uh, there will be some harvest of fresh berries through the end of the month and maybe a little bit of processed fruit in early October. And then we're going to be done. So. Hasn't been what I would call a stellar year, but it will be another year in the books. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast and uh, caring about what we do. Hello, everyone. Here Mario with the Mexican Blueberries Report for week 36 from September 4th to September 10th. Mexico export over week 36, 310,000 pounds to the United States, and we exported another 12,000 pounds to the rest of the world in countries like the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Japan, and Hong Kong, just to mention a few. And from this volume, 5,000 pounds goes to, to North American in organic blueberries. We grow our percentage of exportation to 100% from respecting week 35. We begin with great volumes and, and it will continue until the winter. In frozen blueberries, Mexico exported 48,000 pounds, which is an increase of 55% compared to previous week. And we have just a 2% of the frozen market in the United States. In weather, we keep with high temperatures and, and heavy rains. The rains go to to northern region of Mexico, but the production in, in northern region is, is stopped right now. So. This means that there are no affectations reported. This all in, in my report. Thank you very much. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in our blueberry industry. Uh, we're always adding a lot more features. And with Joe here, he's always tweaking and adding. And it just is a great place to see USDA shipping and price movement, retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. So go check out what Joe's doing over at ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. So now back to our episode today with Amanda and Micah. Amanda, there might be some people wondering why have leadership development program in the first place. And uh, a lot of what you're here to do for us is get one started for us. But how do you answer that question? Why, why are we doing this? Why have a leadership program? That's a great question, Casey. I, I think it comes down to, from an organization standpoint, you really want to ensure that you're always engaging with the entire spectrum of the industry that you serve. And, and one piece of the puzzle is to really 
figure out how to engage with that level of management that exists within an organization that would participate within a leadership program. And so creating this program allows us to better engage with that group that applied and to also further have constituents that are active within your organization after they graduate from the program. So that's from a, an association you know, organization side on the back end. But, you know, from a standpoint of trying to be better service folks for the blueberry industry, creating a leadership program just helps to better develop the industry by developing those that are within it. And so it's a natural fit within our organization to figure out how we can better provide resources to the blueberry industry. So creating this program is just a, a great fit for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and absolutely. I would add one more thing is just to say that, you know, the, the way in which uh, we can get our industry outside of our industry. So part of what this leadership program is intending to do is yes, of course, we we're going to talk about blueberries when we bring these folks together, but we're also bringing in lots of people who bring outside expertise from, you know, varying areas of industry or a specific expertise, which I think, you know, kind of takes us out of our box and takes a look at what is happening in other places. So that helps to build uh, the leadership group. And of course, succession planning for our own leadership. So I think a lot of part of what the board's looking for is, you know, who raises their hand in wanting to participate in a leadership program gives you a sense of people who might want to be more engaged in future leadership opportunities that come through, whether it's an election cycle on the USHBC or it's a committee position that somebody would be uh, great for or in the future for. So think that those are two other pieces that are really fundamental for a strong leadership program. And, and Micah, you know, talk to us from your perspective. Why is this important in your mind for our industry now that you've sat in one of the cohort seats? Well, there's a vacuum for blueberry people in my mind. And I see that at all levels. It's the reason it's been so easy for me to stay in blueberries since my very first job at UF. Um, I've heard it in job interviews that I've been in, and, and I've said it about people that we've interviewed is we need blueberry people. There are a lot more positions than there are people. Fewer and fewer uh, students are going into agriculture. Uh, and of those, not enough of them know about blueberries or the opportunities that we have. Uh, and as blueberries continue to grow and consumption grows and acreage grows, we need to have a supply of more people. Within Fall Creek, a lot of people, uh, I've probably annoyed them with how much I tell them we need to have a really good internship program. Right? We need to be getting those graduates from all the Blueberry universities, all the schools that have programs. They need to know about Fall Creek before they graduate and have some experience here. If we can get them out to Blueberry Fields ahead of times, um, they'll already know about us, about the opportunities, about the types of jobs that are out there. And that's just at the entry level. So I think this program really serves that continued career development. How do you have people as Farmers are looking to retire and not all of them have succession plans set up or, or people who are going to inherit their companies. Some of those companies like Fall Creek have been uh, working to professionalize. We need to have a steady supply of people who are ready to take those leadership roles commercially as well. Yeah, well, that's interesting, too, because I couldn't agree more. We, you know, in addition to the leadership program this year, we're looking at going into uh, next year with that same understanding of how do we draw talent from these universities into our industry. And again, it takes ownership of making it happen as an organization, whether it's Fall Creek or it's NABC, USHBC, there's a lot more we could be doing in this area of trying to succession plan, certainly, but you know, groom that next generation to want to be in blueberries and see all the opportunities that still exist in growing this business. So 
I couldn't agree more. Let's talk a little bit about the group from your perspective, Mike. I know we talked just briefly about the diversity and the breadth and depth, but uh, you don't have to name folks, but you know, maybe give an idea of what that experience was a week in Washington there in Tequila, SeaTac area, running around. You know, you saw a lot of things, but you also got to connect as a group. So talk a little bit about what you saw in terms of this experience as a leadership program. Yeah, the way Amanda described it, the the connection was was really quick, and you could tell how well everybody meshed. And one of the things that that has turned into is the amount of communication that's happened outside of the you know official channels, where I've had a number of those cohorts so reach out to me, or I've reached out to them, just to talk about be it business between our companies or other things. We now have each other kind of as a reference and as a resource, and that's after one week together, right? So I'm looking forward to see. What does that become after a year and a half, after several years of this going on, having that that network of other blueberry people in different corners of the industry, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, Amanda, that stack on top of stack, I mean, one thing that I think I would imagine will be true for you, and I think it's the spirit of the program, having gone through a, not a leadership program, but a certification with the U.S. Chamber program in my early years, I'm still in touch with my class who... I went through a program with, it was a four-year program and a certification at the end through the U.S. Chamber. But, but to your point, it's this rich network where you're you know, essentially counting on each other. You know you're going through different experiences in different parts of, you know, in this case, the country, but in the same area of work. And it's amazing you know, what a resource those folks can be to you over the years. So uh, we see that too, right, as part of the vision here. And Amanda's very familiar with that. She's experienced it in a number of programs. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that vision for what Mike is describing coming true for us as an industry. Yeah. So, I mean, just as, as Mike has said about serving as resources, that only gets stronger and deeper as the program continues. And then as the years go on after, I mean, there's what I love to see at some of the previous programs that I worked on is, you know, alumni of the certain program 10 years later serving within the volunteer sector and saying, oh, when we were in class, we rode that bus together. And it's just, it's really neat to see. And beyond just the camaraderie piece, it is really the support network for business related, personal related, or whatever related advice that's needed that that group serves. And I think that is the piece that you can't replicate. That's the piece that is unique to each class. And it's great that you guys already have it. And I'll say, I mean, I, the class will continue to travel together. So the class has three more trips together where they'll have the opportunity to not only do the classroom training, the tours, and the different other pieces that go into the capstone project that we'll be working on together. So we've, we've got all these other different pieces that are still in the fold. So. Micah, we may need to bring you back to tell us a little bit more and to ensure that we're still holding true to all these wonderful uh, feedback and pieces that we've got at the moment. Yes. Yeah. I was say, one of the things that we always say about the USHBC and the NABC meetings is that the real value of going to those isn't in the meetings, it's in the hallways, right? The people and the time that you spend getting to see people. Uh, and that came to mind a number of times as we were in Seattle. That, that time in between and that time together is really where a lot of that value is going to come from that lasts. Yeah. And and I would say too, Micah, to, to piggyback on that is a lot of the folks within your class haven't actually been to a USHBC or NABC meeting. So a couple of the trips actually are in partnership with the meetings that we're putting on. And so it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see 
the hallway chatter for those folks that may not have seen it in action with the rest of the industry once you're enveloped into, say, like the Blueberry Summit, which is coming up next month. And I know your class will have your class-specific items, but then there's a part of it where you fold into the conference. And so it'll be great to see that come to life for the class as well. I mean, I know you're intimately familiar, but there are some that may not have been at the gathering where it's all Blueberry people around you and how neat that can be and what a great resource it is. So I, I know, Micah, you know, Fall Creek, your employer, you know, is committing you to this program and, and, you know, in some ways a sacrifice of your time to a leadership program like this. But, you know, there's obviously going to be, you know, for you personally, professionally at, at a level, an expectation of benefit that's going to come from that. But maybe talk a little bit about the benefit you see that comes back to the company or for you, you know, personally, you know, what, what do you expect to have coming from this program after it concludes, but also in the years to come? So I always joke about it. I call it cross-pollination when we talk about it within the company and getting people into different departments and, and just like before, learning about things you don't otherwise have any exposure to. One of the great opportunities we had while we were in Seattle uh, was visiting Cullinex. It's a food innovation center. And they taught us about all the different ingredients that are available. And then these are the folks you would come to. So if you're a, a retail company and you want to formulate a new blueberry sorbet, They've got 12 different ingredients of blueberries, and they can help you create that perfect recipe for a retail sorbet. And getting to actually taste and see and feel and experience what those do gave me a whole new understanding of the ingredients market that, again, I'd never touched outside of knowing my customers who do IQF, or maybe they send their, their fruit off to get, you know, turn into juice. But to see that there's 12 different products that can be done gives me a much better understanding of the customers that I'm working with, the processors that they work with, the uh, manufacturers that they work with, and the retailers that come after. Right? It does, I think we're all sick of the term supply chain, but I'm learning way more about the entire supply chain from the beginning where we are all the way to the end. Well, and I'm going to ask this question to both of you because this is one that's specifically for blueberries, but there are other leadership programs out there in agriculture. so. Amanda, why do you see that it's important that we have one that just focuses here for us on the blueberry industry? Well, it is imperative that we focus our efforts within the blueberry side on developing that talent from both a retention standpoint, but also, as Micah just mentioned, I mean, you've got folks that are in roles within the blueberry industry that may have been in them for a while. And so the goal of the program, obviously, is to elevate the folks' mindset out of just the role that they're in in the industry as a whole. And it behooves all of us to be able to, to do that in our own positions every now and again. So what having a, a leadership program that is within the blueberry industry as a whole, I think is imperative so that we can further develop the industry. And also, as I mentioned, and the retention side and to keep that talent within blueberries. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it also is, provides that retention and inspiration, you know, those things that really show like we're a over a billion pound industry looking to march, you know, and I, I use almonds as an example of uh, commodities now that's at three billion pounds and we're, we're on that trajectory, right? And to Micah's point of whether it's attracting people to the industry or it is retaining them to want to help us grow this industry having a class who can meet with experts and continue to kind of coalesce around a vision of what more is out there in the world, especially in the area of whether it's food ingredient trade. So this might be a good segue, Micah, to ask, what was your favorite part of the week 
up there because you guys did some pretty cool things. I know that I had to leave after day one and looking back at photos and then uh, seeing some of the things that you were doing up there, a big regret on my part for not sticking with you all week. But what did you experience that you enjoyed uh, the most? Yeah, you talk about pictures and then probably the thing I'm going to talk about is going to be the most boring sounding, least photo worthy of the experiences. But what really stuck with me of one of the most valuable sessions we had uh, was meeting with Matt Lance from Bryant Christie. So that's that's the firm that represents the U.S. blueberry industry for our, our international trade agreements and the negotiations. And that was always a weird one for me because I'd come to the the conferences and I'd hear the presentations about we just opened up such and such market and that never really meant anything to me, right? I I know that yeah now we can sell into Korea, but how did that happen, right? I'm I'm assuming that this guy up there isn't actually you know, going to negotiate with the government of Korea on behalf of the United States, right? But how does that work? By having that small, you know, more intimate meeting with him where it was just, you know, our cohort and him, we were able to get into the minutia of it and really understand how does the U.S. federal government understand which sprays would be, you know, acceptable or unacceptable to a blueberry grower in Oregon? How do we negotiate the pest treatments for fruit that comes from Chile? You know, who's doing the negotiation? What role does everybody play? That helped me wrap my arms around, you know, this this huge thing that I had never really had a good idea of how it works. And I feel like I have, you know, at least that elementary understanding of how a trade agreement becomes law now, which is pretty big for our industry. Yeah, totally. And not boring at all, by the way. I won't tell Matt you said that. But it is like <laughs> it totally has the element of both, you know, exciting trajectory for where blueberries could now go in the world, but also a lot of work, right? The nuances that you guys ended up spending time in that somebody like Matt's responsible for for us. The photos of that just aren't quite as exciting in the <laughs> conference room as Pike's Place, you know, watching the, the yeah. fish being thrown through the air. Or your, or your improv class, Mike, that those that's photos right. were great. Uh, well, that's great because uh, these are the things, right? And I think the fact that it sounds like uh, it may have created some awkward experiences for everybody as well. That team ends up coming together and laughing and having a good time. The opportunity to have alternative learning experiences for this class is really great to see. So, well, we're going to take a quick break here for our Blueberry Boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Director of Business Intelligence, Joe Vargas. Thanks, Casey. As the Blueberry Summit in Nashville approaches, we're at a critical point in the history of the blueberry industry. As you may know, the North American Blueberry Council and the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council are putting more emphasis on using data to track how our efforts and the efforts of the entire industry are doing to increase blueberry production, sales, and value. The data and analytics program we're currently developing means growers and handlers will be able to access all of the metrics and insights they need in a single location. Can't wait to deliver this data and analytics platform to the industry. As a result of the USHBC's new data-driven culture, you'll start seeing several new products rolling out soon. We'll start with dashboards for the fresh blueberry industry, followed by insights into processed blueberry movement, retail insights, packaging innovations, and other products derived from the voice of the industry. We've teamed up with Bytecode.io to create the most cutting-edge analytics platform in the produce industry, and we're making it happen by leveraging the most modern technologies available right now. I'm very excited about this. To learn more, be sure to register for the Blueberry Summit October 5th through the 7th in Nashville. And then join us Friday morning, October 7th, to get the scoop on this best-in-class data program. We'll be talking about the new tech we're using and the data-driven direction of the USHBC. You'll also hear from Joe Barcy, Chair of the United Blueberry Advisory Council and a leader in the berry industry. 
We've set aside time for questions to ensure you have a full understanding of everything underway. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our Data and Insights Center on ushbc.org. There you can learn about how the industry is changing, what's going on in retail, and so much more. If you want to hear more about our data-driven direction right away, listen to last week's Business of Blueberries podcast episode, where John Marshall and I talked about the strategy behind the new platform and the direction of the Business Intelligence Department. Thanks, Casey, and back to you. Thanks, Joe. Now back to today's episode. Well, I really appreciate both of you for joining me today on the podcast. It's been an exciting journey already to get this program up and going. Exciting to see the class together. Micah, great to hear from you and your insights on your experience of the program. And and really, I think part of the goal of this episode in part is to get people thinking about the fact that there's going to be another class. And I know there were probably some wait and seers out there, but you know we really want this to be a robust program that gets people excited about being in this industry and certainly wanting to be a part of a program like this. And so for those who didn't apply, you know, we want to encourage those applications and people who applied and didn't get in, we want to still encourage those applications because uh, this is a program that I think everybody should want to try and aspire to be a part of an experience that is going to be unique to this industry and an opportunity that I think Micah's You've done a great job kind of explaining so far that experience to date. So, Mike, anything else you'd like to share before we let you go? You know, I think I'd just like to to say that we I think we all recognize that the reason we got to do this program and we get to do this program is because of the support of Blueberry Growers for the USHBC and the NABC. And, and we all really appreciate that. And uh, from our employers who send us there, the support we have to take the time. And we hope to be able to take what we learn and, and use it to come back and serve the industry. Amen. Well, thank you. Amanda, any final thoughts from you before we go? No, I mean, you mentioned that applications for class two, and I'll I'll say that uh, this lovely class, class one, will graduate next fall on stage. So we will also at that time announce who class two is going to be. So be on the lookout for application process starting, I think, the end of spring next year slash early summer. And we are starting a list of uh, contacts for folks who want to be notified when we open it. So, you know, feel free to reach out and we will add you to the list to ensure that you personally get that notification that we've opened the application process. And again, I just want to reiterate to Micah, thank you for joining us. This has been fun to recap and I can't wait to see you and the entire group of class one in Nashville for the Blueberry Summit in one month. Me too. I'll, I'll have my boots and I'm, I'm hoping we get some of those blueberry bolo ties ready before then. <laughs> All right. Well, I do appreciate the both of you uh, participating today. This is it for episode 113. I just want to encourage if, if you like this episode, let us know. You can take our listener survey. So I'm curious what your favorite episode was. I'm sure it was this one. Uh, it could have been a different one. But your feedback is critical to the future of our show. So we've got a listener survey out there. We're asking people to go to ushbc.blueberry.org forward slash podcast. It's just a few minutes of your time to complete that survey, and it'll help us uh, with our future shows. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberry. And maybe you could bring some of that blueberry gelato you spoke of because that's Oh, good. here we go. Oh, here we go. What blueberry gelato? I'll bring my ice cream maker. There we hey, go. The world is our blueberry with these options. We can do whatever we want. <laughs>